everyone settled. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Pastor Turan hasn't preached in a while. Turn to your other name and say, so you better, get ready, look out, because we about to get something. Somebody say amen. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. We've got some special things. Let me prepare you now. We've got some special things that we're going to do afterwards, and I want you to be geared up for that because today is an incredible special day. We're entering into a season where we're going to have the opportunity to send off people into another plateau of their destiny. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to do that following. But I don't want to lose track that I really sincerely am excited, not just to be for excitement's sake, but I do think every single person, front row, left, right, my own wife, every single person in here, you would want this message is going to bless us. Amen? Amen. So would you please get out? Men too, not just women. Men, too, get pen and paper or pull out your cell phone so that you can take notes. I promise you this is worth the value of it. Amen. <clears throat> we have come to corporate worship prepared to give. We live to give. We have come to corporate worship to what? Everybody, I, I like it responsive, Amen. We have come to worship to what? Give. To give. This is huge point. This could change your whole reason of why you come to church. We come to church. And if, you, if another church does it differently, welcome to BCC. Amen? You say, this is what we haven't been doing, Pastor. Welcome to BCC. Amen? We come to give. We come to what? Give. We come prepared to give because we live to give. Say this with me. I have come. To give, to give, and I will go home, will go home. Fulfilled. fulfilled. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. This is hugely important. you got to catch this. Because if we come, here's the, what I'm saying. Here's the contrast. I know some of us come to church to get. That's good preaching. I know some of us come, I just need. And then when you don't get, you walk away frustrated because your expectation wasn't met. Is everybody with me? But if you come to give, everybody see that? If we come to give, there is nothing that can stop us from being fulfilled. Because we'll be touched by Christ and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Is everybody with me? If that's not the reason we've been coming, I want to make a, a, a total 180-degree shift that from now on, when we come, we come to give because we live to give. And if we come to give, we will go home fulfilled because there's nothing that can stop us from being able to have ourselves fulfill giving. Everybody with me? Yes. How you doing, man of God? Look at these hands. These hands have the opportunity to give, to give touch, right? These hands have the opportunity for God to flow through it and heal the sick. These hands have the opportunity to be lifted unto God, and nobody can do that for you. Is everybody with me? 
So therefore, some of us want to know if I'm in the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to, to what? To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Praise the Lord. Preparing us for what's to come. Name types of relationships that fail and why. This is the time to get interactive. Name types of relationships that fail and why. Give a couple of reasons. Let's just kick it out. What types of relationships do we see fail? Now, we don't have to talk about yourself, but what did you say? Marriage. Thank you. What? What? Marriage. Mar what type of relationship fail? Marriage. Just name a couple of reasons why marriage fail. Man, sister got a whole lot of answers over here, amen. <laughs> we going to come back over here. What, you, what was the reason? Greed. 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 Careers. Communication. Communication. What? One more. Selfishness, all right? Physical needs, all right? So we see the relationships fail, and we've given some reasons why. Are you with me? I would like to pose that God's unfailing love in relationships would cause them to last longer and be more passionate for one another. Amen? I propose that God's love would be the foundation of our relationships, and his love has the power and ability to cause relationships to last longer and to be more passionate for one another. Is everybody with me? Did you notice that today we sang unfailing love? We sang what? Beautiful, beautiful confession. His unfailing love, and I want you to get that in your heart, unfailing love. Jesus' love is unfailing. God's love is unfailing. Right now, number one song, it seems like, I mean, literally across the country and probably around the world, number one song out. I have had more reports of that even again this week. People asking about the song, sending it across links and everything is, good, good father. Number one song. Cross, seems like it's even across denominational lines as well. Good, good father. He is perfect in all of his ways. And why do we love that song? It has an anointing on it because God's love, there's nothing like the Father's love. It's unfailing. The Father's love is unfailing. The Father's love is what? Unfailing. unfailing. Look at this. This week, I, you know, I, tr I treated this one statement that I'm about to share with you, and I hope that maybe you become a follower at BCC Treacher, you know, and maybe that might make me treat more things. Are you with me? There's nothing like a treacher's treat. I can't get any help up in here. Amen. <laughs> But I tweeted this profound and surrendering. Did you notice in the song today we sang about breathe, it was surrendering. It was about surrender. God, I surrender all. So this entire powerful message is predicated on accepting the truth that God is real. Listen, it is easier to say God is real and be a man than it is when we're in the situation and we depend on God being real. Is everybody with me? And so therefore, look at this psalm. I want you to write it down. Listen at this. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more 
than anything on earth. I desire you more than anything on earth. I am a married man. I am a father. Multiple jobs, multiple possessions, multiple dollars. And I want you to understand this verse has to be predicated on everything else. I want you, God, more than I want anything else on earth. Now, can we be examining and say, I would like that to be real, but I want a job more than I want God? Some of us want our dreams and our destinies more than we want God. I'm challenging us with this verse. The whole rest of the message and how powerful and profound it is is predicated on can we direct our attention upon God who is real? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can we read the verse out loud? Ready, said, read. I'm, you know what? I'm sorry. I'll, I know I'm a little intense. I, I told you I haven't preached in a while. Amen. <laughs> read that with me. Ready, said, read. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I just want to say this real quickly. When God brought this verse into my spirit this week, it wasn't just that the part was that he's in heaven, but how many know he's on earth as well? Amen. Right? So check it out. It says, ready, said, read. Whom? Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Say that last part again. I desire you more than anything on earth. I know a lot of y'all are really into these tattoos now. Maybe you ought to get that printed on you. I'm not advocating tattoos. Amen. But if you're going to go, won't you put something on there? Amen. Praying, I surrender in your presence. Oh, God, I want us to surrender in his presence. Half pop, I, I see you. I hear you. Thank you so much for being here, driving 42 miles. Listen, I surrender. Brian, so good to see you. Listen, I surrender in your presence. I know why you don't want to surrender to man, because that's something you cannot trust. But, Lord, if I could just get to your presence. I know, God, people sometimes fail me. But, Lord, if I can get to your presence, I can surrender all. Is everybody here? Look at this. This is the prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, we pray, surrendering in your presence. Lord, we pray out of Psalms 84, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of our God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For, Lord God, you are a sun and shield. Christ, you give grace and glory. There is no good thing that you will withhold from any of us who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the human who trusts in you, who dwell and depend on your presence. And everybody said amen. amen. Could you read that second uh, uh, stanza with me again? Because I want us to be convinced that you don't have to wait some time to get this. You can get it right now. Everybody read that second stanza. No good thing. Ready, said, read. No good thing will you withhold from any of us who walk uprightly. No good thing will God withhold from you. Not even today.
This is our relationship series. This is our relationship series. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. we are in, in the midst of a relationship series. And the name of the series is Love That Has Legs. Love That Has Legs. Love that what? Love that has legs. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. And do what? Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The other portion to understand love that has legs or how do you put this together, in 1 John, you don't want to miss this, 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to give up our lives. Do y'all see the word give again? We ought to what? Give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well, we can call this Sister Dr. Connie's message, right? What she taught us, right? If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Praise God. It's a good word. Look what verses 18 and 19 say. Love that has legs. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our what? By our what? And please remember, in this year, God has revealed, and many of you all are catching on more and more, we are here and recognizing we are pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, our actions, and our acts. Amen? And so here it is, right out of the scriptures. New Living Translation says, let us show the truth by our what? And it says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. And everybody said amen. amen. All relationships, all, not just marriage. We only use one type of relationships. Friendships. Anybody got any friends here? How many understand that's a relationship? How many of y'all work with somebody? Y'all don't work with anybody. <laughs> Amen. How many of y'all got children? How many know that's a relationship? Praise God. What about a roommate or a neighbor? Amen. How many say that's a relationship? All relationships have to be fundamentally founded on and function by God's love. All relationships. And I know in the crevices of some of us, including maybe myself, I think I can love Sister Anna because, I, you know, that's I want to love her. But my coworker, you know what, I'm just going to try to avoid them. Is anybody with me? God forbid that we come home to a home and try to avoid people in our home. Somebody say have mercy. We talk love a lot, mostly God's love for us, our desperate need for it, true. And we talk, talk, talk love. What if we walk, walk, walk it? 
What if we walk it? Everybody with me? What if we walk, walk, walk it? We would reap it, receive results in all relationships. If we walked out the love of God, we would have the opportunity to reap the harvest, right? For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are. But if we were the ones that were lovers in the world, then there would be a harvest that would be reaped because Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that God is love. Everybody with me? What about in every result in all relationships? We said marriages break up. We said we walk and we have distance sometimes with friends or with coworkers. But if we would walk, walk, walk in love, it has the power to make those relationships long-lasting and more passionate for one another. Amen. Today's message is called How to Long Passion Love. How to Long Passion Love. How to what? Would everybody agree that this wonderful photo looks like these people are having love, enjoying it, and he's not going anywhere soon? Are you with me? Ape true, right? How to long passion love. How to long passion love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting from the Amplified Bible. If it's in yellow, could you write that down as the definition? Because I'm going to share with you in this particular passage three definitions of the word love. Three definitions of the word love that you don't want to miss. Here it is, starting with verse number one. If I can speak in tongues of men and of even angels, but have not love, what is love? That reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us. That's definition number one of love. That reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us. Does it say anything about their emotions? Does it say anything about romance there? It says reasoning and intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for us and in us. I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, second definition of love, God's love in me. The second definition of love is what? So we're not relying upon our ability to love. That's a powerful revelation. We're not depending on, guess what? We're not depending on somebody else's love. We're in dependence upon God's love in them. Sister Anna says it best to me all the time. She doesn't trust me. Stay with me. Don't forget, we... About to bust 22 of them. Amen. She trusts God in me. That's a good word. Isn't that a good word? You begging them to love you. And you mad at them because you can't love them. But why don't we love God's love in them? So look, the second definition is what? Read it again. Everybody. There's a lot of people here today. Go ahead. I am nothing, a useless nobody. 
Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited meaning arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I just like it to soak it in. Amen. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ready, ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. For our knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. And our prophecy, our teaching is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and the imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. You see, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. But I reasoned like a child. Now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have not put them and I have put them aside. For now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or an enigma. But when perfection comes, we shall see in a reality face to face. Now I know in part, which is imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. Here's the third definition. You don't want to miss this one. And so faith, hope, love abide. Faith is the conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope. Hope is the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. But love, would you, would you read that with me? Ready, set, read. True affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us. Do you see that? Love is a true affection. I want everybody to see this. It's not just a true affection for God. There's a strong movement, and I'm trying to ask others about it. Strong movement where it's all about God, and it is all about God, but God is all about us. So therefore, in this definition, the Amplified Bible, which many of us trust, especially many of us that are Bible scholars and truly like it, love the true affection for God and man. Growing out of God's love for and in us, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And everybody said amen. amen. I want to keep teaching here. Listen to this. 
In context, we've got to remember that chapter 13 is actually a part of a whole letter. So in other words, there's not a chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. Everybody with me? It's one letter. This is very important. So listen, chapter 13 is nestled right in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. Everybody with me? Why is this important? Watch. Because the actual purpose of this chapter did not begin with love, but it began with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. This is a sandwich. In chapter 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts. It talks about the body. It talks about how the church should function. And then we get chapter 13, and it's all about love. And then when we start back in chapter 14, it's about praying and speaking in other tongues and how we should function and operate in the church. Now, don't get scared. We're going to keep talking about love, okay? But the chapter is in between the things that's related to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me? This is so valuably important because of this. Because we'll pull out 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in a minute and talk about love. But that, in essence, is almost taking it out of the context that it's been sandwiched and nestled in between. It has been put and put for how we are to move, live in the gifts of God's spirit for the body, for your life, for people on the street, for how we worship in Christ in here while they're doing everything they can to worship God, how we're supposed to be worshiping God out here. People shouldn't come in here with headaches and go away with a headache. We shouldn't walk in with a spirit all clogged up on the inside of us and people walk out with that same spirit all clogged up in us. That's a good word. Say motivated. motivated. We got to be motivated by love. Hallelujah. Is everybody with me? I haven't even got to the good part. So let's start with the last verse of chapter 12, just to understand what 13 is talking about. Look, verse 31 says this, but earnestly, notice this here, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all. Highest of what? Highest of the gifts. Y'all see that? But it, notice what you can't, we, please grow into the whole text. Don't leave off stuff. Listen, it says, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate, and I want to take responsibility as pastor that I have failed at this with us in the recent years. It's getting quiet up in BCC. God desires for us to live in the fullness of who he is. I want to talk about how to long passion love. How to long passion love. Did everybody see in verse 4, love endures long and is patient. And that word is long-suffering. Is everybody with me? I need my computer. Can somebody, I need my computer, please. Thank you. Everybody say love is patient. Right? This is going to be good. Love is what? Therefore, love endures long and is patient. 
long-suffering. And so what I want to share is why are some people patient? Everybody want to know that? Turn your name and say, why? Why, <laughs> why are some people patient? It, well, first of all, let's establish this. Is there anybody here that's impatient? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, today is your day. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you why. We don't need anybody running out right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, why are some people patient? Listen to this. If you are an impatient person like most people, then you might be wondering, how can some people be patient? How can someone wait for something to happen for a year or two without getting bored or losing hope? And why do we become overly irritated after waiting for a few days or even a few hours? In order to help you answer these questions and to help you, listen, I mean, you don't want to miss these notes, to help you understand how patient works, I decided to write this post. Impatience is mainly, this is not me writing, I'm reading. Impatience is mainly a person's inability to withstand a certain irritating emotion. The less you can stand irritation and emotional pressure, the more impatient you will become. But this definition leads us to a new question. Why would I tolerate irritating emotions instead of doing anything else? It was found that more a person is confident about winning, the more patient he becomes. Let's suppose that you are going through a tough life problem. The more you believe that you will be able to get out of it one day, the more you will be able to tolerate it. Oh, you want to hear God in just a second. It was found that the more a person is confident about winning, the more patient he becomes. Emotions get fueled by self-talk. Manipulating the self-talk directly is useless strategy because self-talk itself stems from your beliefs. Now what if your beliefs about your ability to win were changed? Won't your self-talk change as well? This will certainly happen as a result you will become more patient. Listen to this, patience, self-confidence, and even religion. The more confident you are in your plans and more patient you will become. But how can you be confident in a plan if you don't know even have a plan at all? This is the second thing that people get wrong about patience. Patience is not waiting, but it's the act of working hard on your plan while waiting. What does patience really mean? If you are depressed, then patience in such a case would include following the actions of the root cause of the depression, working to treat it, seeing the experts, developing discipline to follow the treatment plan, and finally waiting until the plan works. I am against people who try to stick to a religion just because it's for religious and to become advantageous. But after you do your research and come to the conclusion that God is real, it's time to take advantage of that truth. Is God real or not? Yes. 
Nothing can make you believe that you are going to win for sure other than knowing that God is supporting you. Is everybody with me? Say, Pastor, tell me more. I sure will. The root word, listen to this, of that Greek in chapter 13, verse 4, the word patient or long-suffering or endures long comes from a compound Greek word. And the etymology of it is the word really means long and passion. The word patience comes from the word long and passion. Therefore, patience is always with God or Jesus in view. Everybody with me? I'm going to break it down in just a second. I'll read this section now and then I'll go to this note. Let me get that. I need that leather. It's a brown leather thing in there. The word patient in this word means this. It is the postponement of judgment always with view towards repentance. Listen. Patience. We want to become patient, right? We want to become what? Patience is the postponement of judgment. <laughs> the postponement of judgment. Always with a view towards repentance. Say, tell me more. How many of us want to learn how to love? Got about 10%, okay. <laughs> Listen. Patience, many of us have thought, including myself and others and those that have taught it, that patience was somehow, the reason we talk about not having it all that is because we thought patience is me trying to muster up my own exercise and muscle to try to overcome having to do something against somebody or something that self-protects myself from something that is threatening me. So therefore, I move out of patience and I go out and do something about it. In other words, we, the reason we say we have a difficult time is because somehow it's got to be something that I do. Does that automatically lead to disappointment? In other words, in and of ourselves, we can't be patient. That's a word. So here, here's, 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 here's where this goes. It gets good. Listen to this. Patience is always with God in view. Say that with me. Patience is always with God in view. As it's on the board, it says this. It is the postponement of judgment always in view towards repentance. We are required, listen to this, to postpone our judgment towards others. Why? Because of God's postponement of judgment towards us. Because God has postponed judgment towards us, then we have God's love in us to have postponement of judgment towards each other. 
in every relationship. Oh, it's just getting good. Patience becomes a necessity. Listen to this, especially as worshipers. Patience becomes the necessity quality that is a service to God. I'll explain it in just a minute. You see, the obligations of forgiveness and from us understanding God's patience and forgiveness from us or to us. In other words, my direct ability, I'll just go through it, listen. My direct ability to be able to forgive or to have patience with someone is in a direct correspondence to know that God has been forgiving and he has been patient with me. So when the scripture says that love is patient or that love endures long, what it is saying is that I can only be patient with my brothers and sisters, my wife, my children, my co-worker, those in whom I'm in relationship with, as it is in direct correspondence to Jesus Christ who has had long, enduring, long-suffering patience and kindness for us. I think that this kind of love would cause relationships to last longer and be more passionate towards one another when I postpone judgment over something that I think you've wronged me by. Oh, I think some of us got a grapefruit spirit walking around like we're sour all the time, like you fell and hit every branch on the tree. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm trying. Look at this. As a matter of fact, I said this. In other words, you cannot be a follower of Christ and have a short temper. Listen. <laughs> In other words, you cannot be a follower of Christ and have a short temper. Listen, how do I express love, though, from patience? Why? This is what it says. It's because I leave all these things up to God. Because I leave these things up to God. I'm trying. I'm trying to go fast. Listen. Confidence is that all circumstances in life God, listen, you go, oh, my God, you're going to love it. Listen, this is the confidence that in all circumstances in life, God can and will handle by the gift of his divine grace. There's nothing that can happen to us 
that is bigger and more powerful than God's grace? Or why are we singing and saying, now all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, unless we truly believe that his divine power and grace is strong enough and more powerful to get us through and out of every situation. I say it to you, Jesus Christ was full of grace, full of truth. He's able to make you free. He's able to penetrate depression. He's able to put money back in a bank. He's able to get your relationship back together again. It's God's grace. So his grace received is his grace given. Listen. Everybody say worship. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you love to worship. Amen. Some of us are gospel, some of us, you know, praise and worship, some of us Christian, some of us K-love. Don't matter. I'm not talking genre here. Maybe some of y'all got that country swag. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever your swag is in worship. A worshipful offering unto God by displaying patience in relationships. I'm almost there. I'm trying. We'll get you to go up and play music and just sing here. Listen. Patience towards someone else is an act of worship to the one who has shown patience to us. You see, many of us, we worship and we agree with worship. We see reasons to worship. We know God is worthy of worship. But listen. <laughs> You see, when I discover that it's worship, then I can do that because worship is a yieldedness to God. Worship is a yieldedness to God. It always, listen, patience always allows a space for repentance. Patience always allows a space for repentance. Why? Because you postpone the judgment. Listen. We have the obligation to forgive regardless of the other person's actions. Say that with me. We have obligation, we have obligation. to forgive, to forgive. Regardless, regardless of the other person's actions. <laughs> Why? Because the love walk is unconditional and it does not have a self-protection mechanism. Love does not have a self-protective mechanism. Patience in this passage is, ooh, please hear me again, back, tune back in. Patience in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, patience is passive. It is something I let happen to me, not something I go out and make happen. You see, we try to go and make Patience on someone. I'm just being patient with you right now. How I many of you know you like, well, I really don't want to see you not be patient with me right now. <laughs> Amen. Oh, oh this, is, this is your patience? <laughs> 
Can I get any children in here? Little children voices to say amen. <laughs> amen. Listen. You want this quote. Get this quote. God, oh, God does not cause everything that comes our way. Write it down. God does not cause everything that comes our way. And this is very important because some of us, when we get into a fix or into a trouble or when something breaks up or goes a certain way, we say, God did this. And I want you to know this. All of us are tempted at this. All of us. Nobody excluded. We're all tempted at that. And therefore, when something happens bad, when something happens what? Sometimes, eventually, if the, if the bad keeps going long enough, we'll say, well, I don't know if this is his will. Like God didn't did it to us. No, 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 no. Listen. God does not cause everything that comes our way. Everybody say, Ready? But God can fix redemptively everything that comes our way. I think that's a good place to give God a praise offering right there. Come on, right there. Come on, right there. God does not cause everything that comes our way. But God can redemptively fix. He can what? He can what? Come on, he can do what? He can fix everything that comes our way. So even when I'm in a fix, I'm waiting on the fixer to come. I can be patient and let it happen to me rather than me having to go out and do it because my patience, my love that causes patience is a long, passion love. Patience is another way of saying, I am not in control. My world is not left up to me. Patience is another way of saying, I am not in control. My world is not up to me. And everybody said amen. Keep playing. You can put the rest of the musicians in place. Uh, my clicker is not okay. That's good right there. Everybody say love. Love in the King James Version of this scripture is charity. And charity is the equation of actions. Of what? The series is called Love with... Love with what? Let us not just say that we love each other. Let us not just say we love God, but let us also walk it. Everybody with me? Love is actions, therefore love is a verb. Love is a what? Here's this, you want to get this. Love 
is unconditional and it cannot be based on reciprocal. What does that mean? It cannot be looking to receive back. Love cannot look to be receiving back. I'm going to say it again. You know why we have love that looks to receive back? Because that's not God's love. Our love looks to get back. How many know we get hot if we do something for somebody and they don't do it back or say thank you or something? Wow. That's one of the tests, the litmus tests that say, I don't know if I did it out of love. Listen, we have to be unconditional in our love because the results, we can't look for the results. In other words, how many know sometimes we do things because we look for the end? Well, if I do this, I'm going to get that. This kind of God's love just does. Do you know why the reason we love Jesus so much? is because he just did. Hallelujah. Look at this. It's based on feeling like it. How many understand it's not based on feeling like it? And this one is a big one. Love cannot be what we have seen wrong in our homes, in some marriages, in some divorces, in some breakups, in some ways we've seen children parented. We cannot go on what we've seen wrong or said to us from the world. Is anybody still with me? Maybe it's a lot. Verses 1 and 3 of the Amplified Bible speak about love. God's love in us, the love of God. The love of God is unconditional, which is the word agape. Love is for giving it away. It's the giving away. The original meaning of this word love is the giving away type of love. And it is in action or demonstrated or what we see in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 is the love walk. It's the love what? I'm going to finish this message out real quick if you don't mind. Go ahead and finish the, uh, turn the lights down if you will. Get ready to sing. Listen. Say amen. amen. Say treat it. Can I talk about it? The Bible says in verse 1, look what it says. If we have not love, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And how many of you know, many of us that have read that verse for many, many years may not have ever understood what that meant. I, for one, was one. But a little digging and scratching, a little research pulls out revelation of God. Do you understand what the scripture says? If you have not love, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And the word rightly divided always references another text. I won't, no, we'll read it. In Exodus 28, verse 33, it says this. Make pomegranates out of a blue, purple, and a scarlet yarn, and attach them to the hem of the robe. Attach them where? To the what? Attach them where? To the? To the hem of the robe with gold bells. Gold what? Between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate all around the what? Aaron will hear the robe whenever he ministers before the Lord, and the bells will tinkle. The bells of what? As it goes in and out of the Lord's presence, as it goes in and out of the Lord's what? In the holy place. If he wears it, he will not what? You've got to understand something. Go to the next screen, if you will. Just hit the next screen for me. Thank you. At the hymn of Jesus. 
the woman of God. While Jesus was walking around, he was what? Jesus was walking around in love. Jesus was just walking around in love, healing, delivering, casting out demons, walking around in love. Jesus was just what? Walking around in love. And the lady comes out and she touches the hem of his garment and she was made whole. Why? Notice the details of the Old Testament. Give revelation to the priesthood of Jesus in the New Testament. This hem, the alternating of bells and of the pomegranates. Why you say the bells of the pomegranates alternating in the robe and the hem of his garment? I say unto you, I propose that the bells, just as it said, could represent the gifts of the Spirit. But when you don't have love, that's just a clanging symbol. That's just a metal clanging, and it doesn't mean anything. The power and you putting it on TBN means nothing if it's just for show. It's got to be motivated by the heart of God. And the heart of God is always to express unconditional agape love. And if the bells represent the gifts of the Spirit, that means the pomegranates represent the fruit of the Spirit. And if the fruit of the Spirit represents with the gifts of the Spirit, it means that woman came out of that place and touched the hem of his garment, and she was made whole by the gifts of the Spirit, by the fruit of the Spirit, and by the virtue of God's love that was flowing out of him. The history shows that also in the hymn of the priest was all the names of God. Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah. I tell you this, we don't go by all those names anymore. We've got one name, and that name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, we've got the gifts of the Spirit. We've got the fruit of the Spirit. We've got the love of God. And they now work towards the healing of the whole world.